Hey there, you're listening to Migration Patterns. I'm Meredith Bratland. Migration Patterns has found a new friend this season. The show was produced at CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton. So many thanks to them for letting me record all these episodes in their space. It was absolutely lovely. To get to the show, today we're talking to Cindy Q. She is a lawyer in Edmonton. She is originally from Vietnam, and her family moved to Toronto, Canada when she was 10. Off-air, Cindy said, While we were technically not Vietnamese boat people who fled the country after the devastating Vietnam War and the withdrawal of the Americans in Vietnam, we left the country based on similar reasons. These include political, cultural, economical, and civil rights. Cindy has studied and lived and worked in various places around the world. Most recently, she lived in Nunavut, practicing law. In her travels, she has learned the importance of cultural intelligence and has some advice on how one can develop this skill. What do you think of when you think of home? That's a very interesting question. Um, home. I think from my perspective, a home incorporates uh, a few different aspects. The first is a home, it's where you feel the most comfortable, where you are able to walk around in your underwears <laughs> <laughs> uh, without the feeling of um, having anybody looking over uh, your shoulder, thinking, judging. Um, it is where you are who you are because you want to be you. Mm-hmm. Um, home is also where you have your loved ones if you're lucky to have loved ones with you. Uh, loved ones could be parents, brothers, sister. It could be friends. It could be significant others, or it could be your furry friends. Um, so, if you're lucky to have uh, a loved one or loved ones with you, um, I think it's also a place where home can be made uh, and help you feel the most comfortable and the most you. Yeah. So, what does that look like for you? Has it changed over time, or? What are the kind of the sights and the sounds of home for you? Um, Very good question, Meredith. Home for me has changed significantly from a geographical perspective. Uh, As you know, I was born in Vietnam. Um, uh, My parents moved to Canada when I was 10. We settled and lived in Toronto for the first 10 years of my life. Uh, after that, I had the opportunity to travel quite extensively, um, Paris, Romania, and uh, I also did my legal uh, training in Windsor, Ontario, and subsequently moved around quite a bit uh, to learn more about the country that I live in, but also to engage in uh, the practice of law. Um, in uh, Aurelia, Ontario, in Barrie, Ontario, and so on and so forth. So I've had many places where I've called home, temporary. Uh, I also lived in um, Iqaluit, Nunavut, for about five years. So that was also home for Mm -hmm. that five years. And then after that, um, my loved one, 
my significant other, uh, my Chris Down, and I moved from Iqaluit, Nunavut to Edmonton, Alberta. So currently, Edmonton, Alberta is is our home. Yeah. Uh, but everywhere I've gone or I've lived, uh, I've always had the opportunity to to find home, to create a home. And I always look back thinking about those homes with the fondest of memories. And so you, s- you mentioned that you lived in Vietnam until you were 10? That's right. Uh, so I was born in Ho Chi Minh City, okay. uh, which used to be called Saigon before the, um, the re- reunification after the, the, the Vietnam War. Yeah. So I was born in Ho Chi Minh City, and uh, I grew up in what would be considered to be downtown, center core of the city for the first 10 years of my life. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. So what was that like? What was that like? I'm going to try to reach back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a number of years. (laughs) Um, I can't give you uh, specific. What I can offer you um, are are the senses and and the feelings that if once I do reach back, they they tend to come and... and, uh, remind me of, of my childhood for, for that first 10 years. So in terms of senses and feelings, um, what come to mind include heat, incredible heat. <laughs> I remember <laughs> it was always very hot. <laughs> um, you know, the, there was never this, this sense of, of walking outside and needing to put on a jacket or needing to put on mittens or hats or gloves or, or boots. Um, you know, this, 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 this sense of heat and warmth uh, is it's what it, my senses t- seem to recall. Uh, but I, at the same time, I also remember rain, a lot of rain. I remember as a kid walking home from school and playing, playing in puddles because there were these huge puddles after the monsoon rain. Um, and I remember green foliage, just a lot of greens, a lot of large trees mm-hmm. um, that, that, that overwhelm your senses because of just... The, the, the greenery and the, the, the kind of foliage that would only exist in a very tropical place. Um, the kind of feelings that, uh, that come to mind or, or that come over me um, include sounds of, you know, just heavy traffic with constant um, sounds of humans talking, speaking. Uh, there was always lively, regardless of what time of day it was. There was just a lot of a lot of sounds, a lot of activities, a lot of buzzing of the daily lives of people, of bikes, of motorcycles, of cars. Um, just a lot of that kind of sensory um, activities constantly happening. Mm, that sounds so, yeah, it paints a really great fo- picture in my mind <laughs> as a 10 year old kid yeah, right <laughs> just be like, what am I gonna see today this is crazy uh so do you remember uh when your family decided to leave I I do there's some memories that are very clear and then of course um details are, are vague uh the mm-hmm. kind of memories that, that are somewhat clear to me um are the the particular 
um, it's, it's very specific uh, events where I remember being extremely sad. Mm. Um, perhaps I was also crying because I was saying goodbye to people, saying goodbye to friends, saying goodbye to um, teachers, to neighbors, to family. My dad's family uh, still in Vietnam, all of his siblings, all mm. of my uncles and aunts and cousins. Um, my grandfather, my dad's father, also uh, passed away recently, but he lived in Vietnam. Um, so I remember those memories very specifically, just remembering the, 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 the parting, mm. the saying goodbyes. Uh, but I, I don't remember the details leading up to it. Right. Um, and then when you arrived in, was it Toronto? Mm -hmm. What were your first impressions? Similar to, to my memories of, of leaving Vietnam, again, I don't remember all the specific details. Uh, the, the, the kind of general impression, if I could recall, include being, feeling bewildered mm. uh, for, for a period of time. Feeling um, constantly like you are trying to learn new things, trying to understand new people. Uh, trying to understand that the streets are not filled with bicycles and motorcycles anymore. Um, and in particular, getting used to the cold. Mm -hmm. <laughs> having, having lived uh, in many places in Canada now, um, I, I find it funny because I still remember the first few years in, in Toronto feeling this utter... Um, sense of, of cold. I was constantly, my feet, my, my hands always felt so cold. And, and this, the first snow that I experienced, just, just thinking to myself, this is incredible. I, I just don't know how to cope with it because <laughs> <laughs> it was so cold and I have to put on gloves and hats and mitts and snow pants and snowsuit. I remember feeling overwhelmed, yeah. um, overwhelmed starting from the, um, the layers of, of uh, clothing articles that I had to put on every time uh, I prepare to go outside the house. Um, and the time that it took to put <laughs> all of those articles of clothing on you. As a child, you can appreciate that, you know, you want to get out, you want to mm -hmm. go, you want to play. Uh, so to have to, to sit inside and wait for your mom to help you put in all these articles of, of clothing uh, was incredibly frustrating. So those are the kind of memories that I remember yeah. of, 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 you know, moving here to Canada and starting to my life here yeah. in Canada. Did your parents uh, like make a, a special effort to uh, maintain your, your cultural identity in your home? Or what was that transition like for you? Or how did it play out? I have to thank my parents uh, for the fortitude uh, that they took with their children. I have a younger sibling, mm -hmm. my brother. Uh, in terms of ensuring that we don't forget where we're from, we don't forget our language, we don't forget our culture. So growing up in, in Canada, I remember my parents always making a point that uh, at home you speak in Vietnamese. Cool. Um, so at home, you know, it doesn't matter what's the occasion or what the context, you always have to be 
um, conscious of, of the language, the home language, and that's Vietnamese. My parents also uh, made it a point that I take um, Vietnamese classes so that I can read and write fluently. Wow. Now, I appreciate it now as a 36-year-old at the time, <laughs> giving up my Sundays to go oh. to Sunday school to to learn uh, Vietnamese was, was was certainly not something I enjoyed at, at the time, but now I, I do look back with, with appreciation of what my parents wanted us to have. Do you remember when you started to feel at home in Canada? Or how old you were? Or did that ever happen? <laughs> I don't want to assume anything. Yeah, yeah no, for sure, for sure. Um, I, 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 I feel at home uh, in Canada for, for a long, long time now. I can't yeah. remember a time when I don't feel at home. Um, in terms of, in terms of my, because I had that initial experience where y you. Um, wanted to get in and be a part of, of you know, the, the group of kids at school, but you can't because you don't speak the language. Um, there's an aspect of you that, that became almost an observer. Mm. You, you observe because uh, either you're trying to learn what they're doing, how they're doing it, what they're saying to try to understand what they're doing. Um, and try to, to actually either learn the language or to understand or to, uh, or to try to adopt the, the cultural aspect of what they're doing. Uh, to this day, there are times from time to time I feel like um, I can step back and, and still have that observer role uh, in, in the different environments that I've been in um, to, to be that student, you know, to try to observe and to try to actively observe, actively listen, actively learn. Um, so in many respects, I think my experience as, uh, as a new immigrant, as a child, you know, here in Canada, uh, have somehow given me the ability to continue to learn and observe in whatever new environment I'm in. Mm, be adaptable. That seems like an, an essential skill. Before you adapt, you've got to learn. Yeah. Right? To take that step back and actually observe, um, be curious enough to try to see the differences in how people interact, how people convey ideas or, or express ideas. When did you take the leap to Iqaluit? So about a year and a half, almost two years after I graduated law school, did my articling and worked for a law firm downtown Toronto. Um, an opportunity came up in an advertisement uh, that I saw. And the opportunity to, is to work um, in the legal constitutional division um, with the territorial of Nunavut or Department of Justice with the, the territorial government. And at the time, I remember wanting a challenge, mm. uh, wanting to do something more with the incredible opportunity that I had in terms of being in law school, um, having gained all of this legal training um, that, uh, that I had not only from law school but through my year uh, as an articling student. Um, and I wanted to, 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 to be involved um, in, in, in the, the nation or the fabric of, of mm. our nation in, in more ways than, than simply uh, be a young student or a young lawyer working in a civil litigation firm uh, in Toronto. 
So when this opportunity came up, I applied um, and was successful. What kind of work did that entail? It, it entailed whatever you want to make it uh, to be. So that, that was, um, I quickly came to realize that that was the opportunity that I signed up for. Uh, the territory of Nunavut, as you know, is the newest territory in Canada. Yeah. Uh, with a territorial government that is only, um, you know, 16, 17 years old. I mean, the, the thought of being able um, to be part of nation building mm-hmm. uh, was incredible. And when I moved uh, up north and started working as a lawyer for the territorial government, it became very apparent to me that the opportunities were boundless. You can do many things or you can do very discreet things, but you get to decide. Uh, in many respects, what you want to do uh, with your profession, with your training, with your abilities, with your skills. Uh, So while I was there, I took whatever opportunities came my way. I was was very hungry, um, and I was very motivated, and I was very keen because of that um, internal curiosity (laughs) that I have. So in, in my five years, I had the opportunity to do everything from a mundane, you know, legal counsel type of work, like review contracts, go to labor arbitration, to um, assisting the Department of Environment to draft their wildlife protection regulations, um, to represent the territorial government before impact assessment boards to review proposed mining projects, some of the largest mining projects in the north, dealing with ore, gold, uranium, um, to work on land claim negotiation. I mean, the the, the aspect of being a part of um, this nation building, this this ability to, to work in a fundamentally indigenous rights context and being able to learn about the legal principles in a very practical uh, perspective was incredible. So for the, during those five years, um, I took whatever opportunities came my way to learn, um, to contribute, and to do what I can to make sure that I can develop my practice as a lawyer, but also to understand um, the Inuit culture and the indigenous Uh, issues that are so prevalent uh, in our country. What I can provide you are some general um, understanding of of the territorial government and some of the uniqueness that it represents. Uh, First and foremost, it is a territorial government with a legislative assembly just like any other provincial territorial governments that we have. Uh, What's unique about the government of Nunavut is that uh, the territory itself was created as a result of a Nunavut land claims agreement between the Inuit and the federal government or the Crown of Canada. So imagine uh, a a land claims agreement that envisioned and then created a new territory with a territorial government uh, in order to govern the activities uh, and to serve the people of the territory. Uh, that, to me, that historical piece, to me, is incredible from a Canadian history perspective. Mm-hmm. From a legislative assembly perspective, you're right, it's very unique in the sense that there are no party system, so it's not divided into party. 
uh, all members of the legislature represent the constituency, certainly, but they um, they don't advance uh, agendas or they don't advance um, bills or legislation based on a party uh, agenda. They advance it based on their constituency or, or, or the concerns or the issues of their constituency. And in terms of the government or the cabinet, how they operate, they operate on consensus. So again, because it's, a, it's not a party-based system, uh, it's, it's a consensus system where people um, aren't there because you know they're liberal or they're conservatives or so on and so forth or NDP, they're there because they represent their constituency. When you decided to leave, what was that like? Five years is a, a substantial amount of time to spend somewhere. It was a difficult decision for us to leave, uh, but um, the, 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 the short version of it is this. Uh, when I moved up north, it was my decision to move up north to leave my job in Toronto. Um, and Chris agreed that he would leave his job here in, in the government of Alberta to move up north to be with me. So when it was time um, for him to decide where we would go next, uh, he said he wanted to go back to Alberta um, and continue his development here um, in Alberta. So that's that was why that was the decision to that motivated us to leave Iqaluit Nunavut. Um, leaving was difficult. Uh, I'd made fantastic connection to, with the people and the land. Um, we've gained so much through our experience living in the north, uh, and I still think back to the north as, as being this this home uh, that I had for that five years of my life, and the experience that I had could never be replaced. In in in, in many respects, and and maybe I missed this when I when I answered your question earlier about why uh, why did I move to Iqaluit Nunavut. Um, another reason um, f for 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 making that that leap uh, for me was thinking about wanting to do some sort of development work, and I had at the time thought about international development, maybe going to uh, a developing country to to try to contribute in, in some way, try to um, you know. Uh, offer my skill sets or, or the legal training as well as my undergraduate training. Uh, but when the opportunity came up to go to Iqaluit Nunavid, um, I did some research about uh, the job as well as the location of the job. And the more I read, the more I learned about it, the more I thought to myself, why go abroad and do an international development when the opportunity was right here? Um, in, in the country that I live in. Hmm. Um, and, and, and here are the opportunity, or he, here are the possibilities or the opportunities for me, not only to learn about the country that I've adopted and call home, uh, and the people that I call, you know, Canadians, m my people, uh, here's an opportunity for me to actually really learn about what this country means to me mm -hmm. and, and what Cana being a Canadian should mean to me. So in many respects, moving to Iqaluit Nunavut uh, was an incredible personal growth opportunity for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And then when you just kind of switch gears, um, when you said you, that you would be on the show, um, you spoke about uh, cultural intelligence. And so do you have maybe like um, maybe top five things that people should consider um, when trying to develop their cultural intelligence? Um, I wouldn't say top five. Um, and, and again, um, cultural intelligence, it, it, to me, is, is a very limited uh, understanding based on my personal uh, view as well as experience. Um, in my mind, two, two things that are really important uh, that in, in terms of developing and cultivating cultural intelligence, um, those two things are curiosity and the willingness to learn. So uh, I think inherently or inertly, we are all curious. We've been curious as a child. <laughs> We've been curious as a young adult. We've been curious as an adult, and we continue to be curious throughout our lives. Uh, the second thing is the, the, the willingness to learn. We all like to learn, either learning to cook or learning in school, or learning a new sport. I think inherently, we are, we are all of us are that, that we are curious and we are willing to learn. That was Cindy Q, and you're listening to Migration Patterns with Meredith Bratland. This podcast is produced in partnership with CJSR, and older episodes can be found online and on iTunes and Google Play. Just search Migration Patterns. Visit CGSR to find out more about the show.